You are listening to a production of WRCT Pittsburgh. Any opinions expressed within are solely those of the participants and do not reflect the views of WRCT Radio Incorporated. Questions and comments can be addressed to the Public Affairs Director at PA at WRCT.org or by calling 412-621-0728. Saved message. Hey guys, my name is Allison and I'm hoping you guys can help me out with something. I woke up this morning with a really bad hangover, and I've tried everything I know how to do, and nothing is making it any better. So I was wondering if you can tell me if there's a cure for the hangover, or if there's not, why isn't there? I really appreciate any help you can offer. Thanks. Huh. That's that's a pretty good question, actually. I agree. It's a great question. I mean, Allison's probably thinking, we put a man on the moon, we cured polio, But when I go to bed on Friday after having too much to drink, I still wake up on Saturday feeling awful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We have have some remedies for those, right? Like? Um, Drinking a ton of water, uh, maybe taking a multivitamin, uh, going to Waffle House and eating a ton of hot, greasy food. Yeah, all those things make you feel better. I, I think those aren't cures, though. They help a little bit. So on this episode... Our job, I think, is to explain why there is no cure. Where are we going to start? Well, just like other episodes, Ellis, we really don't know a whole lot about this, but I think we can figure this out. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Good. How, how's everything going over there? How's the so we hadn't really done a whole lot of prior research, but I knew of this one guy who'd written a book about the history of drinking, and we kind of just wanted to chat with him and get a feel for mm-hmm. things. Want to kind of just talk to you about some of the history and things like that. Okay. So, Dave, it seems like the answer is no, but I'll ask anyway. Have we figured out how to avoid a hangover? I mean, why not? Why well, there's we one absolutely foolproof way. Don't drink. <laughs> Dave Wandrich is a cocktail historian and a writer for Esquire magazine. I think, I think it seems like scientists are starting to track, uh, to, to, to horn in on an answer, which in, in a way is sort of too bad. Hmm. Why, why should we? Because then the, that'll take all the, all the danger and, uh-huh. you know, uh, that, that, that'll, that'll change drinking culture to be like anything else. I didn't think of it like that, but I guess that you have a point. They're starting to figure out exactly what a hangover is. You know, it's a complicated, uh, uh, it's a complex of symptoms, put it that way. And uh, they require different treatments. So they're starting to figure out exactly how to do that. Um, that's beyond my pay grade. Uh, we were just wondering how people over history across the world have dealt with hangovers over time. Well, I guess there are, uh, there are three main strategies that I can think of. One is hot, greasy food to, you know, kind of coat the stomach. and uh, like the English and the American breakfast are both just great for hangovers, and I doubt that's coincidental. <laughs> uh, then there's the uh, hair of the dog method, which is, you know, supposedly uh, you, you cure a dog bite with the hair of the dog that bit you. So uh, you cure a hangover by drinking what you were drinking. And that's actually uh, medically uh, somewhat effective, it turns out. However, it means you're drunk again. So <laughs> it, can be a, it can be a vicious uh, a vicious cycle that you'll never get out of. Now, interestingly enough, one of the two or three most effective drugs in uh, in the physician's cabinet up until the 20th century was alcohol. So uh, that kind of 
blends very neatly with the hair of the dog approach. I mean, the first, the original cocktail was uh, comes out of that, this idea that you would take spirits or wine and add uh, medicinal uh, stomach bitters to them, and that would settle your stomach and fix your head for your hangover. And uh, it also tasted good. In the fullness of time, that got the name cocktail and uh, became, you know, basically the foundation of, of American drinking. And that goes way back. People drank more cocktails or as many cocktails in, in, in America at 8 a.m. as they did at 8 p.m. up until about uh, 1890, 1900. That's crazy. People today are dealing with the same hangover problems as drinkers hundreds of years ago. That's nothing, dude. Uh, why? Because I was reading Wikipedia just now, and I learned that archaeologists have found evidence that people in the Stone Age brewed beer. So wow. That, so that goes back at least 10,000 years. I started doing some reading about this is... I really feel like when I drink gin and vodka, um, if I have a hangover mm-hmm. the next day, it's, I think, significantly less severe than if I'm drinking whiskey or brandy or any of the darker spirits. Um, yeah, that's probably true. It de- I mean, it depends on, on the... It depends on the distillation method more than anything. What comes through the still is uh, alcohol, water, and what are known as congeners, which are the sort of uh, collateral damage of distillation. It's the other things that come through. Alcohol, of course, also causes a hangover, so there's no way to avoid it entirely. Some spirits are distilled to very high purity. Uh, that's your alcohol, uh, gin, believe it or not. So that's a, a, they're uh, distilled at a very high temperature is what you mean? Uh to uh, a very high percentage of alcohol. Okay. So there's alcohol, water, and, and, you know, room for fewer of these flavor compounds. The other thing is the congeners are flavor compounds. Ah, okay. So that's, the, that's what makes uh, whiskey and brandy taste good, but also uh, it gives you a hangover. Yeah, so, so Dave just mentioned a word, congeners, which basically describes the whole slew of molecules that you ingest when you drink often that aren't alcohol itself. And we're going to come back to that later in the episode, so keep that in mind. But you can't talk to a cocktail historian without talking a little bit of history. So we're just going to air the final few minutes of this interview. Do we know anything about how the character of hangovers has changed over the course of time? Ooh, that's a good question. I really I don't know how people, uh, you know, subjectively experienced it, but uh, they certainly complained about it a lot. I mean, that goes back to the Romans. You know, Horace, the Roman poet, talks about hangovers. What does he say? Uh, that they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So we were wondering if there was any U.S. presidents that come to mind or at least any famous political figures uh, who drank the heaviest. Ooh, that's a good question. Well, U.S. Grant, of course, was known to uh, be a binge drinker of epic proportions. Well, there's the uh, president who drank so much uh, Chatham artillery punch in Savannah, Georgia. I think it was Taft that... uh, or maybe it was McKinley, that he had to uh, stay in his cabin for three days afterwards. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, uh, sure, as in an Epicurean sort of way. You know, he drank a lot of wine, and, and he was a very elegant man and drank elegantly. What did U.S. Grant drink? Uh, he drank he drank whiskey. Harry Truman drank a lot of bourbon. Do we uh, have any sort of recollection of how they dealt with their hangovers? <laughs> that I have not heard. <laughs> that would be interesting. The presidential hangover is a... Is a, is a disturbing phenomenon. <laughs> Dave, thanks a lot for uh, talking to us today. Oh, my pleasure. Glad to be of any assistance. You've been listening to I Wonder on WRCT Pittsburgh and the American Student Radio Network. Stay tuned. All 
I'm from Turkey. You're hungover. We're in Turkey, and someone asks you, "How do you feel right now?" What do you say? Akşamdan kalma. What is the English translation of that? Uh, okay, akşam means uh, night or the previous night, and kalma means leftover. So it's like leftover from the previous night. So in China, we have a word for hangover,、uh, which is su zui. Su zui is a phrase which is composed of two words. The first one is su, which stands for the whole day, and the second one is zui, which means being drunk. So literally, if we combine them together, I like to say being drunk for the whole day. In Spanish, the word for hangover is resaca, and it means to be dry. To be dry, like like. You're dry, dehydrated, dry.、Uh, so there is not exact word for saying、uh, I'm hangover in Greek.、Uh, we usually use the expression "ime、uh, komatia," which actually means I'm broken in pieces, and it's like I'm really tired to do anything. I'm from Beirut, Lebanon. So if I walked around Beirut the day after a Night of heavy drinking with my friends. What would I tell people if they asked me how I was feeling? In Arabic. In Arabic. You'd say "mintek albi." What does that mean? It literally translates to、uh, "my heart is."、F-ed. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that is how you'd say I'm hungover. Yes, that's how I would say it. It, it seems it seems too intense. Why do you use that word to describe a hangover? Well, I mean, after, when you're hungover, you really feel like you know you want life to end. You're disgusted. You're ashamed. You feel like just a few hours ago you were a complete idiot. I think these are things that you know reduce your、uh, your self-esteem. So, Daniel, where are we? What have we learned? All right, so we've learned so far.、Uh, U.S. Grant drank a ton.、Um, we learned hot, greasy food is still delicious and possibly a remedy for a hangover. Okay, so you're saying we've done nothing to answer our <laughs> caller's question so far? Uh, yeah. Basically, I can't really say we know a whole、okay. lot more. <laughs> okay, it's time to get serious. So, who are you? Robert Swift.、Uh, I'm a professor of psychiatry at Brown University Medical School in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm going to kind of just skip ahead and just ask straight up: What is a hangover? Okay, what is a hangover? A hangover is a constellation of symptoms that one experiences after drinking,、uh, usually a large amount of alcohol.、Mm-hmm. It's characterized by headache, irritability,、uh, gastrointestinal upset, which can be nausea and vomiting,、uh, sometimes diarrhea or stomach pain,、mm-hmm. uh, difficulty thinking,、mm-hmm. a profound sense of, of fatigue and、uh, thirst. Most people who have a hangover are, feel extremely thirsty. I like this guy's imagery. Calling a hangover a constellation of symptoms. So you know we've got the stomach, we've got the brain, dehydration. That's probably going on in the whole body. I don't know, Daniel. Where do you want to start with this?、Uh, I don't know. The brain. Cool. What happens with alcohol is uh, uh, the brain adapts very quickly to the sedation、uh, produced by alcohol, 
And uh, actually, the nerve cells kind of paradoxically overstimulate themselves to counter the sedation from the alcohol. If you've ever woken up in the middle of the night after drinking a good bit, then you've probably experienced the overstimulation Dr. Swift is talking about. The effects of sedation from alcohol probably wore off in the middle of the night, but your brain was still trying to fight those effects, so you felt wide awake. And in fact, another theory of hangover is that hangover is actually a type of alcohol withdrawal. So one of the other symptoms of hangover is sensitivity to light and sound, that, that, that sound seem louder, lights seem brighter, people want to be in a dark room, they don't want a lot of stimulation. And that's because during alcohol withdrawal, if you actually look at the activity of the brain and you actually measure a person's brain waves, they're hyper-stimulated. Interesting. That explains the, the, the fatigue, maybe feeling anxious as well the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glutamate is the major excitatory neurotransmitter in the brain. Alcohol inhibits glutamate acutely. So when you drink some alcohol, you inhibit brain excitation and, and you get sedation. Brain cells adapt to this. They, they make themselves more sensitive to glutamate to counter the inhibition due to alcohol. Okay, then you remove the alcohol and you're left again with brain cells that are oversensitive to glutamate, this excitatory neurotransmitter. And so that they remain overexcited for a few hours until they readapt to the normal uh, condition. So basically, Daniel, this is a problem of a time lag. Alcohol is telling your brain, you are now sedated. The brain, being resourceful, tries to squeeze what it can out of its deplenished resources. It becomes really sensitive to glutamate. Once the alcohol is gone, though, you go back to making normal amounts of glutamate. But all of your cells have been recalibrated, and so they feel like they're being flooded. And this is what makes you hypersensitive to light and sound, which kind of partially explains the headache that you get in the morning. So any hangover cure needs to deal with this complex brain chemistry and, I guess, do so in sync with the ebb and flow of the molecule glutamate, among other neurotransmitters. Yeah, exactly. So let's take a trip to another part of the body. Ellis, I chose the brain. Where are we going next? Let's hit up the liver. All of the food that you absorb first passes through the liver and it gets processed. Processed into what, you might ask? Let's have a guy who wrote a book about the science of hangovers take it from here. What happens is alcohol gets broken down into acetaldehyde, which is a real nasty substance. That was Steve Braun. He authored the book Buzzed, The Science and Lore of Alcohol and Caffeine. Most people, we have an enzyme that then acts on acetaldehyde and breaks it down to acetic acid, which is, you know, relatively harmless. turns out that a lot of Asians lack that second enzyme. So what happens in them, they're prone to what's called the flushing reaction. And when they have alcohol, they get like beet red and they, you know, they feel like crap. But even in people who have normal enzymatic machinery, you still get acetaldehyde buildup at some levels. And that's part of why you feel crummy. Now, remember those other compounds Dave Wandridge was talking about? Congeners? It turns out that the liver not only breaks ethyl alcohol into toxic byproducts like acetaldehyde, it also converts congeners into toxins that make you feel hungover the next day. One of the nastiest of these congeners is methanol. 
as Dr. Swift describes. Methanol is also metabolized, and instead of producing acid aldehyde, it actually does produce formaldehyde, which gets into your blood and, and is very toxic. There have been some studies. There's a British scientist uh, named Jones who, who has done uh, a lot of work with methanol and finds that the, um, the chance of getting hangover appears to relate to the methanol content of the beverage, this congener methanol. All right, so in terms of our hangover cure, we've got ourselves another thing to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, don't drink booze with congeners in them. You know, things like brandy, whiskey, rum, pretty much anything except for gin and vodka, which contain mostly ethyl alcohol. Right, but remember that even with gin or vodka, you'll still have some buildup of acetaldehyde. So there's no way to completely avoid these toxic byproducts. Now we're going to turn to one of the more familiar feelings of being hungover. That of being dehydrated. And we don't even really need to explain why being dehydrated feels so crappy. It's, it's, it's so familiar. I mean, your muscles aren't working very well, you're dizzy, uh, you have low blood pressure, headache, yada, yada, yada. Again, here's Robert Swift. There is a hormone that is excreted by the pituitary gland in everybody called antidiuretic hormone. So what this does is it blocks uh, secretion of water by the kidney. It makes you pee less. to put it simply. But when you drink alcohol, you end up making less of this hormone. And so? You excrete extra water. So you're excreting more water than the volume of alcohol you're consuming. And you end up basically dehydrated. Even if you don't know anything about hangovers, you probably know that you should pound some water before you go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, that's part of hangovers 101. Dehydration is interesting to me, though, because it sort of expands our discussion of hangover symptoms to the entire body. Every part of your body seems to suffer at least somewhat when you're dehydrated. So to cure hangover, you would definitely have to take being dehydrated out of the equation. This basically leaves us to this very last question. Do you think modern medicine will ever be able to fully cure a hangover? Like, you drink a ton, get really drunk, then apply some remedy, and the next morning you wake up fine. Like, is that insurmountable? Uh, It's insurmountable because of the multiple causes. You'd have to drink only certain alcohols that don't have congeners in them. You'd have to block the uh, withdrawal response. You'd have to, it would be be difficult to do. And that's why I think there is no cure. Well, sorry to our caller, Allison. Looks like you're out of luck. There doesn't seem to be a hangover cure on its way in any time in the foreseeable future. (laughs) Sorry, really, to humanity. I mean, we've been doing it since the dawn of time, but we're going to keep doing it. If you drink a lot, you're going to get a hangover. That's just kind of how it is. I'm Ellis Robinson. I'm Daniel Tachik. And we want to thank you for listening to I Wonder this week on WRCT Pittsburgh and the American Student Radio Network. Also, a big thanks to all of our guests. We had Dave Wandrich of Esquire Magazine. We had Steve Braun, who wrote the book Buzz, the science and lore of alcohol and caffeine. And lastly, to Dr. Robert Swift of Brown University. Thank you all. And thank you guys for listening. I'm Ellis. I'm Daniel. And we will leave you with the lovely Margaret Krauss. Take care, y'all. My first return of sense or recollection was upon waking in a strange, dismal-looking room, my head aching horridly, pains of a violent nature in every limb, and deadly sickness at the stomach. 
From the latter, I was in some degree relieved by a very copious vomiting. Getting out of bed, I looked out of the only window in the room, but saw nothing but the backs of old houses, from which various miserable emblems of poverty were displayed. At that moment, I do not believe in the world there existed a more wretched creature than myself. I passed some moments in a state little short of despair. William Hickey. Oh right, we almost forgot. We want to hear the questions that you guys are wondering about. Ask us whatever you want at iwonderpgh.org. And you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Take care, y'all.